Welcome to the one-on-one with one and only sports podcast. I'm your host, Theo Juan. Every person has a story to tell, and this podcast hopes to give an opportunity for those in the sport world to share their unique story. Each week, I interview a new guest to come on the show. We talk about how they got to where they are in the sport world, what their daily life looks like, some misconceptions people have about their role, and we end with a fun rapid-fire segment to close the episode. If that sounds like something for you, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. New episodes will be coming out every Tuesday. I just wanted to let you know this episode is brought to you by Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game is an organization dedicated to elevating the vision of athletes through the connection of sport to what's next. Their aim is to create better athletes, stronger leaders, tighter teams, and most importantly, more enlightened people. Through research-based workshops, team seminars, keynote speaking, and one-on-one coaching, they guide people through some of the tough transitions from sport and life. You can follow their journey on Facebook and LinkedIn at Beyond the Game, on Instagram at Beyond underscore the Game, and on their website, gobeyondthegame.ca. Now with all that done, let's go. Welcome to episode one of the podcast. Today's guest is Johnny Augustine. Johnny is a professional football player and running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the Canadian Football League. He recently won a Grey Cup championship this past season with the Blue Bombers. Prior to being a pro athlete, Johnny played for the University of Guelph Griffins football team. He finished second on the Griffins' all-time rushing list and was their career leader in touchdowns. He was named Team Offensive MVP his senior year. He helped lead the Griffins to a Yates Cup in 2015-2016 and was named an OUA All-Rookie selection in 2013-2014. Here's my interview with Johnny Augustine. Johnny, thanks for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing this sunny afternoon? Right now, you know, it is a beautiful day, but with everything that's happening, you know, just keeping myself isolating and, you know, practicing good social distancing right now. Yeah, and for those listening, we are recording in the time of COVID-19, so that's what Johnny's referring to right now. Before we get going on the podcast here, how's your training been affected with all the social distancing and things like that? Taking a different approach in the sense of usually... I'm in the weight room going to my gym and then, you know, I'm doing a lot of my sprint training, whatnot, especially during these times indoors. But now everything you have to, you know, you have to have a unique style, you know, doing it inside, whether it's in your garage or inside your house. And, you know, I actually do, you know, all my running and my agility work outside. But to me, whether I'm running outside or indoors, I don't think my running has been affected, so I, I, I'm okay in that sense. I think it's just more of, you know, going to the commercial gyms and adding those extra sessions in. Well, that's sweet, Johnny, and I can't wait to hear your story. You got a really unique one. So we're going to start right off here, segment number one, your journey. Tell us how you got to where you are today. You're a professional football player in the CFL with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How did you get to where you are? Who are some people and events that were instrumental for your journey? Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy road, and I'm very blessed to be where I'm at right now. You know, I always start off, I live by these three words, hard work, dedication, and heart. That's what got me there. I started off doing mixed martial arts for 10 to 13 years. I really use martial art as my, you know, my starting ground. It's literally been the foundation from... The day I started my first sport, you know, to going into track and field, basketball, all that, to being a professional football player, because, you know, it's not 
only just being a fighter, but it was also learning that discipline and, and, you know, really working hard towards something you want. You know, I know I wanted to be a black belt, ended up being a second degree black belt. And I had to put a lot of hard work and that just carried on to football. And in terms of like people that has, you know, been role models and stuff for me, there's not one particular individual. I can name a list of it. Everyone that's been surrounded by me from best friends, you know, I'll name a few, James Davis in Florida, Orion Edwards, my parents, you know, Neil loves them, my running back coach, the list kind of goes on. So everyone has touched me and been a role model. I don't have just have one person. It's just a whole collective group of them. And within that community, can you speak to a little bit of, of your journey from high school uh, in Florida to then attending University of Guelph and then eventually into the CFL? With high school, you know, my first two to three years, I, I played football down in the States. I went to Jupiter High School and believe it or not, I initially did not want to play football. I started playing football in grade nine. I actually hated football. I did not want to play it. I was thinking there's no way I'm going to let myself get touched to the ground. Like didn't make sense to me. But, you know, over the years of just building a, you know, a very athletic background, being really fast in track, that's what was the key thing is, you know, a lot of my friends, coaches were like, man, like, you'd be really good at football. I gave it a chance. I said, why not? I, you know, my friends were doing it. I said, okay, let's do it. And literally the first game I ever played rushed for like, I think it was like 500 yards and like four or five touchdowns. And I was just like, I knew it was the sport for me right away because... You know, I played a lot of different sports, you know, like I said, martial arts, I wanted to be a pro fighter, you know, I, I did basketball, I knew I wanted to be a professional athlete, did track, played baseball, all of them, you know, I had that like little bit of passion for each, but football, just when I scored that, you know, that touchdown and looking at my teammates and coaches and the the, the fans, I, it was a different feeling and I instantly looked and I was like, this is the one like I, you know, you know, it's like when you find your love partner, or whatever, right? You know, like, you know, this is the one. So uh, it was basically like that. I just carried all that. As soon as I knew it was going to be the sport for me right away, hit the weight room. I work out. I go to, to school at like six in the morning, be the first one at the gym, be the last one at the gym. You know, I used to train there. Like I, I was literally living in my high school. I remember I was there at 8 p.m. and my basketball coach was like, Johnny, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, I'm just trying to get better. Like, I really want to be good at this. I really want to excel. And it just carried on, you know, year after year. And then when I came and played, uh, you know, football here in Canada, it was a little bit of adjustment. But I honestly just carried that trait, you know, and when I say it was a bit of adjustment, it was a bit more of a, you know, culture shock coming to a different country. And, you know, you know, I was going through a little tough time, but, you know, I said to myself, okay, I still have the same dream and continue to do that. And I was happy that I continued to do that because I impacted other people. We talk about, you know, role models in my life, but I don't want to say it, but, you know, I went to the school of Notre Dame and you guys just played football when there was training camp. They didn't do all the training. And, you know, I I'd go in the basketball court, I do my drills and guys were like, oh, what is he doing? Next thing you know, I had one guy, two guys. Next thing you know, I have 30 guys. And I remember my football coach was like, I never had that many guys in the same room at the same time, you know? Reasons why I went to University of Guelph and obviously the community 
And, you know, those four or five years at Guelph has been a blessing. Proudly say that I, you know, I had a successful career at University of Guelph. But then again, a lot has to go down to my coaches and teammates for believing me and supporting me. I continued to put all that effort, hard work. For example, like I would... I would have a certain way I would eat. I wouldn't eat all the, you know, the meal plan or, you know, all the food that was given to students and stuff like that. I would still like drive all the way to Niagara to have my mom give me certain foods, come back. I would train, I would go to Toronto, you know, my trainer for the last four or five years, Jesse Corona, I drive to Toronto, you know, I would train for like two, three hours and I would come back to Guelph and I would do our team workouts. That's how much I wanted it, right? Whether you call it all like selfish or individually, it was it was for my teammates. At the end of the day, like I'm putting myself in a good position to provide for my teammates, right? And that's the way I look at it is like, you know, if you know your your guy next to you has trained so hard and, and you know, it's like, oh, you know, he's the best player. You got confidence that he's going to do his job and we're going to win and you're going to do your job, right? So my goal is to be the best player. And at the end of the day, it's going to help my team. And, you know, I carried that on throughout university. And, you know, I found myself a professional football player going into my third season with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That was a little bit of a stumble at the beginning. But here I am, very uh, thankful for everything that I've done. I love the values of hard work that you're exuding here. I think a lot of people sometimes think if you're a pro athlete, that you just have good genetics and hard work doesn't really have anything to do with it. Is that something you've heard before? All the time, man. Everyone does have certain traits. I always say that like I wasn't a good football player, and nor do I still think I am. I'm continuing to improve on my skills. I believe that I turned myself into a decent football player and continuing to strive for greatness. Like I said, I personally focus on my weaknesses. I don't focus on my strengths. You know, I know there's certain things I'm good at, but what's that going to do if I'm not really good at whether it's catching the ball, whether it's maybe moving side to side? I'm not saying those are my personal weaknesses, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, you say genetics. I've seen guys who are genetic freaks and have all the physical traits, but aren't really good. So to say that it's and also when it comes to, you know, the sport of the game, whether whatever it may be, there's a fundamental side to it. You know, when we look at the playbook, it's like, can you put X, Y and Z together? So everyone that and that's the thing, too. I've seen guys who are not fast, strong like me or whatever, but are better football players. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, (laughs) They know, they use what they have to their advantage and work on their weaknesses. So genetics, yes, maybe there's a little factor. Okay, like, oh, like he's naturally a strong person. Uh, They are naturally a fast person. But what can they do to that to excel and be used towards their advantage? You mentioned a bit about knowing plays and studying. And I know education was an important part of you getting your, your degree, but also playing football. So how did that work out in terms of balancing playing football and being a student at the University of Guelph? Organizing. That's huge. I live by it. I obey by it. You are organized. Things are going to get done. And it's a simple task as, and it's funny because I've lived by this task, but I've heard this motivational speech by this um, sergeant who gave it to some Texas graduates at the University of Texas. And the simple equation is, It's like, for example, I can't leave my house 
or function without just having a clean bed. As simple as that is, if I know my room is clean and I know my bed is clean and the dishes are washed, I have like a good day. Like it's everything just falls into place, right? So when you ask me how are you able to balance everything, it's because I did the little things in order to do everything or the big things, right? So I would write my calendar. I was a big, you know, notebook person kind of guy. I would write down, okay, I'm going to be here today. Okay, I have lifting at five. I have class at eight. You know what I mean? So it's about organizing and finding balance and taking care of the little things. So you're able to do that. But when you're just kind of all over the place, you know, that's when you're going to get lost. And that's when you're going to miss one or two things. That's when you're going to fall behind papers. That's when, like, you're not going to have a good practice and a, and a bad practice leads to injury. It's just, man, just, just wash your dishes. <laughs> just, you know... Clean your bed, and you're good to go. <laughs> there you go. So if you if you learn nothing else from this podcast episode, you need to clean your bed and wash your dishes. That's just advice right there from pro football player Johnny Augustine. I'm going to tell you this as well. The thing is, I've seen people who don't have a clean bed or wash their dishes, and they're all over the place. And they're missing things. They're not doing things that they, like, they're falling behind. So like I said, you do those certain things, those small little things, you're going you're gonna to go pretty far in life. I'm telling you. There you go. I like the advice there, Johnny. And who would you attribute this advice from? Or did, how did you pick this up? Because I, I imagine you had this in university. I know you lived with Orion. So how did you pick this kind of this stuff up? I would say, like, once again... When relating back to the martial arts, I was always disciplined and taking care of the little things. Even from an early age, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, like just I, I was already on a diet plan. I was already like just consistently like placing out my meals. Like I was already consistently doing this. Okay, like I was already scheduling. So I just brought that to university, and I think I was fortunate in university. And you know, a lot of students know. That university is a tough time. Obviously, it's a great experience, but it's tough because no one, you know, it's hard to find balance. You know, maybe you're going out too much and whatever, but I was always organized and I carried that. I live by those two models, you know, like just wash my dishes, clean my bed, and it's going to just carry on. And it's funny, like I told you, I, you know, I saw that. A sergeant who was giving a, a speech to a bunch of graduates at the University of uh, Texas. I, I can't remember. I think maybe it was like my year four. After four years, like I, I watched the video someone sent it to me, and he's like, "Yeah, like he said that, like you know, he was like, doing Navy SEALs training, and they're like they enforced them to, to to fix their beds. They're like, man, we want to be like combatants, and but it's like fix their bed. He's like, but I realized that moment, like just doing that." will lead me to far. So that's that's where I got it from, but it just naturally came into me and I just carried it. And I knew I had a purpose and a vision that if those things weren't executed, then nothing will be executed. You actually answered one of the questions I usually ask on the pod. So it's kind of funny. What advice you have for someone in a similar situation? So it sounds like that's the advice you would give. Wash the dishes, do the bed right there. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I said, depending on obviously your situation, but everyone thinks there's a big picture, like all like, 
you know, this person has this, this person has that. Like nothing was given to me and I had to really work hard for it. Even like, you know, also going back to high school, like I told you how I wanted to eat a certain way and I got a job. I was like, okay, how am I going to eat a certain way? You know, I started working at a grocery store in high school and it was funny because my parents would say, you're literally working for them for free because as soon as I got a paycheck, I would just buy the food, right? But I was like, no, like this is the way I got to do it, right? So sometimes you, the one thing about life and, you know, just reading a lot of books about successful people, you know, I always like to get the mindset of other athletes, great athletes, entrepreneurs, whoever it may be. And there's a point in time where they all had to do the little things and sometimes it would be hard to get to where they wanted to be. And I don't think I would be if I took care of those little things and pushed myself through those adversities. So I would say whatever you're facing, whatever it may be, it's going to be tough now, but you're going to reap and enjoy the success later by just doing what you got to do now. Johnny, would you be able to share a setback that potentially happened while you're trying to get in the pros? I know you've had a, a bit of a career now in the CFL, but there's definitely been some ups and downs. So could you maybe talk a bit about some downs and how you're able to bounce back through them? Yeah. So after, you know, my fourth, uh, fourth season at the University of Guelph, I was draft eligible. That's when guys are uh, able to go and play pro. I had my CFL combine. I ended up having an amazing combine. I ended up being one of the top ranked, top ranked running back and one of the top prospects um, in the country for for that year. After my performance at the combine, obviously, you know, I knew I had a good career at the University of Guelph, and I just assumed that okay, like I would, you know, I had I would have a good shot at the league and getting drafted. And you know, even with that being said, I. Like, it's tough for certain positions. You know, some teams don't need running backs or whatever it may be. So even with knowing that, I still had a good confidence from, you know, everything that I've been hearing prior to that. Like, I had a good chance. And, you know, came draft day, you know, I obviously expected to get drafted. It was one of those, like, okay, like, the combine, I don't know what's going to happen. I I train hard, but you never know what's going to happen. But... The draft, I didn't have that, like, okay, what's going to happen? I almost like, okay, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get drafted. It's just when and where. And as soon as, I, you know, I, I had that mindset. And obviously, when, it didn't happen. Where, it didn't happen right away. And it was a very tough time in my life because I worked really hard to get there. And that was, you know, obviously my dream, right? Like, I wanted to be a pro athlete, growing up and you know obviously in high school I know it was football and when I got there and it didn't happen right away you know it was, it was pretty upsetting but the next day obviously I'm, I'm a natural human being with emotions and you know I obviously I cried it was very tough for me but the next morning I got up and I went straight to the gym and I just remember it was so awkward because no one expected me to be at the gym like they didn't know what to say to me they're like, he's here. Like, you know, my boy, Nate, uh, who also plays in the CFL, he's like, man, like, I don't even know, like, how you're here. If I was you, I wouldn't even be here. And it's just, I just told him, like, man, like, what is me, you know, pouting about this going to do? Like, if I'm going to get my chance, I'm going to get my chance. I just got to keep, you know, as we say, grinding, right? So 
I just, you know, I obviously it was tough. Like, I'm not going to lie. And like I was doing my sprints, like obviously it's tough. But, uh, you know, my agent called me and said, hey, like Edmonton Eskimos are going to give you a chance. So that was my first uh, stench, I guess, in the CFL. Very brief. I went to Edmonton Eskimos training camp, you know, obviously poured my heart out during training camp. And I thought I had a really good training camp preseason, but, you know, things didn't work out the way I wanted to. And I was sent back for a fifth year at uh, the University of Guelph. So it was pretty rocky at the beginning. And then after my university fifth year season was over, I knew I was going to head back because the Edmonton Eskimos had my rights. But uh, something happened where the Saskatchewan Rough Riders picked up my rights. And I did a mini camp with them in Florida around like February and March. Once again, really out, really performed. I, I came into like the best shape for that one. I was like, man, I'm going to do this. I freak. I was like 1% body fat. It was crazy. And so, yeah, it was insane. And, and I just remember like we had to do a lot of these like crossover, like one-on-ones, like going against like defense. And there's 10, 10, 10 running backs, including me. And there is like a hundred linebackers and like guys are just dropping like at my position like they're just tired like you know it's a lot of reps i do a rep i come back somebody like no one could go because they're so tired but i just kept going i just i literally took like five six reps that's like that's how in shape i was and i was winning those reps and i just like you know it's one of those like okay i knew what i was gonna do and i did it it's like okay like i know what's gonna happen like i'm gonna i'm gonna get the call to go to training camp by them and later that day they said okay like we're gonna send you back home yeah, so it's like wow, like another tough time, and and I haven't even stepped into the league, and let alone I've been with bouncing back and forth between two teams. Obviously, it was tough, and you know you obviously start to like think, okay, what what is happening right now? Where am I in at life right now? And I was honest with myself. I didn't give up because I knew how hard I worked, and I knew that I would be okay. If I didn't have football or not, meaning I took care of all the little things, you know, got a degree, you know, I made sure to, you know, be smart in certain areas, whether it's with money and stuff like that. I say like, Johnny, like you, you push to this dream until you know, like no more. And I kept training. And now this, I find myself in a unique territory because prior to, you know, the, the draft, prior to going to Saskatchewan, Guelph season, I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to go somewhere in the CFL. I knew I was going to go to Edmonton's training camp. I knew I was going to go to Saskatchewan's mini camp, right? So I was training knowing I was going somewhere. So it, it gave me that fire. Now I find myself not knowing where I'm going to go, right? I don't have like a team, like, you know, no one owns my rights. I'm legitimately a free agent. Like, it's like, okay, I'm training in the hopes of like, I'm going to get a call that someone's interested so that was also something that was very unique where it's like, man, like, am I just training aimlessly, right? And, um, you know, same thing. I was training, got a call from my agent that said, you know, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers wanted to uh, wanted to bring you into training camp. You know, certain injuries happen and whatnot. And I said, okay, like, let's do this. Literally flew out pretty sure the next morning. It was a last minute thing. I, I barely had anything in my bag. And I was like, man, like, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm just going to go. Like, I pretty sure I didn't tell anyone because at this point I'm just like, right. Like this is going to be my third stench. Right. 
I go in there, same same attitude. I know how good I am. I stayed in shape. And that was the biggest thing too. I was always ready for every opportunity given. And, you know, it's easy to just fall off the course and just like be like, oh, like I'm not going to train until someone calls me. And then you, you get that call and you go the next day. But I was constantly ready in shape. Got there and I immediately did what I had to do. I took the ball, ran for like 50 yards, you know, like just good training camp. Obviously, you know, the learning experience was a little bit different at the pro level. And then um, got my biggest opportunity during preseason. Um, as you might know, I back up Andrew Harris, who's a starting running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And a couple of injuries happened, you know, had a good training camp. And next you know, I find myself backing up Andrew. And it was a preseason game, so I knew he wasn't going to get a lot of reps. Once he was done, I came in and, you know, I rushed for 80 yards and a touchdown. My first, you know, I guess pro touchdown. And that was the defining moment, I guess, the start of my opportunity in the CFL and being recognized. And I made the team for the first week I was, you know, inactive. But regardless, that was the first beginning of that to where I am now in the pros. That's awesome. And I love just the perseverance of adversity through that. And so, Johnny, that's an inspiration to me. And I hope that is to the listeners as well just what you went through to get to where you are. So now that you are in the pros, we're going to move to segment two here, day-to-day life. Can you share what a day looks like, a practice day, and then what a game day would look like as a pro football player? A practice day, basically, it's it's all determined on the actual individual, right? So you can get there as early as you want and you leave as late as you want, but our schedule... You know, like most guys around the league is meetings at nine, practice around like 10, 11, wherever guys want it. You know, so practice is only an hour and, you know, meetings are about a good hour and so just reviewing. And, you know, it's funny because the actual practice in the meeting aren't terrible, right? It's like I said, what do you do to get yourself ready uh, mentally and physically? So, you know, I, me personally... I'd get to the stadium around between 6, 6.30 a.m. You know, I do my workout. I do a lot of my mobility and stretching. And then, you know, head into my meetings and practice. And then after practice, I would do after after uh, work, you know, where they're working on certain, you know, coverages, new plays that we got coming in. You know, and this is not just me. There's a bunch of guys doing the same thing. And then once, once that's done, I'll go in. I'll do like my ice tub, hot tub, cold tub, just a lot of recovery stuff to take care of my body so you know i i get there at six and i leave around like three to four and that's me like i know like our quarterbacks will get there at like 5 a.m and leave at 9 p.m right it's it's not so much what you do like during practice is what you do before and after right because they you know i do preach like they you know the league and our coaches do a great job of taking care of us right but it's what we do before and after. So that's like a day-to-day practice of my life in a pro athlete, typically, at the pro level of football. Um, and then come game day, everyone's different, right? Like, everyone has a different routine, ritual. You know, I know me personally, that's probably my most relaxed day, obviously, because it's game day prior to that, whether it's five, nine hours beforehand. I, I, I make sure I have my three meals. You know, I'm very <laughs> picky with that. I have my energy drink. Um, I get an active recovery massage, like a light flush. And most of the day, I'm just lounging, feet up, whether it's watching Netflix, I snooze, I do a little bit of meditation because 
throughout the week, I'm just go, 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 right? Now we're on game day. I want my body to be, you know, my nervous system to just be somewhat calm. Once I do all my little rituals and I just keep my body calm, you get to the field and all that hard work. And that's why I said it's what you do before and after practice, right? And I guess how you approach practice as well will dictate your performance on the field or outside the field. This is just a life lesson in general, right? Like, what is your preparation? You know, preparation speaks a lot. And that's why I said the hard work, right? Like, I, I don't have to come in at 6 a.m. I don't have to stay till 3. I could literally come in at 9, once practice is done at 12, and leave. You know, I have that choice. Some guys might do that. I don't do that because I know I want to be great. And if I'm great, I will give my teammates and my team a chance to win. That's, you know, a typical day-to-day uh, -day for an athlete, you know, at that level, so to speak. It's not just football, but just anyone at a high level. How do you balance in terms of, I know you have some personal training you do as well. So how do you balance that during the season and out of season as well? Like I said, it comes down to organizing. You know how I told you, make sure you fix your bed and do your dishes, right? It's just organizing. I carried that in high school. I carried that in university. You've heard the term, if it ain't broken, don't fix, you know, don't fix it. Just let it be, right? So I, I'm like, all right, I'm at the pros because I did this. So I'm definitely going to do this. And I just kept organizing. I stayed on top of it. So, you know, like I said, you know, I come in early and I'd be done around like three, four. So I have, you know, the next six hours, so to speak, to to do my own thing, right? And yeah, I could easily just go home and relax, but you know, I do admit I would take advantage of those free time and that's where I would, you know, train certain clients, you know, get get the other stuff that I I plan on venturing off to after life after football, right? And my I speak that, you know, always get your hands on every little thing, right? Cuz you don't know when whether it's football, whether it's your job that you're going to be in, you never know what's going to happen. So for me personally, you know, I, I'm happy that I'm in a field where I already do it. I love to train, obviously, because of my job, which is professional football. I train because that's what I needed to get to my job of professional football. And it helps that I love it. And now I'm just giving back and I'm training others. And I love they get their results because that makes me happy, too. That's awesome there, Johnny. And I would like you to share, I know there was a big moment that happened this past year. So can you share a little bit about the Grey Cup experience and what that meant to you and your team? Yeah, so like I said, it's crazy. I go back from, you know, two, three years prior to that, I was an undrafted guy, you know, didn't know what was going to happen to being in the Grey Cup. I, I'm still trying to come down from Clyde now and I'm a lot better now, but just even when I knew we were going to go there, when we beat Saskatchewan, um, prior the week before, I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like just getting there is just an amazing accomplishment because it's a long season, long road. You put a lot into it and, you know, just being there, it's just like, oh my God, like we're here. And just that whole week, you know, that's the cool thing too, is like wherever you're playing the great cup or championship game, they'll fly you out for the week beforehand 
and you're practicing in the facilities, you're doing a lot of media stuff. So it's really cool, you know, like we're getting our, our gear that has our names and numbers. It's like, wow, like this is this is real. And, you know, I got a good look at the, you know, Grey Cup trophy. I'm like, okay, this is what we're fighting for. It's like, you know, you try to like block out all that noise too because you're there for a mission. Like you want to enjoy the whole everything and, you know, you are – but, you know, that's for the fans. That's for your family. We're still there for a job, right? And that's what we had to do because when we were there, you know, we'd still have our two two meetings, three meetings, extra meetings, like still the same process. Like what I did when I was, you know, in Winnipeg during the season is the same process I did at Grey Cup. Like I still try to wake up at 6 30, you know, after practice, I do those little things, right? Like because you, you can easily get lost with all that the festives and the great cup but you know we stuck to that model and our coach michael shea did a great job making sure that hey like we're not done yet right and, and it's easy because you know like i was there it's easy to say we're done but no you're not because if you're on the losing side which we weren't and i can't even answer that like but i would assume that it's a very sour taste because you got there and like you didn't get it and and I just remember, you know, coming out of the tunnel, like, it was just, I never had adrenaline running through me like I did for that. It was just crazy. And, you know, the national anthem and having the jets fly over you, man. Like, I just, like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And, you know, cause, like, I, I remember each moment. And it was crazy because you're just like, man, like, how am I going to make an impact, you know, on this? This is the biggest game of your life, right? And... Opening kickoff, special teams, right? I have the first tackle. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, holy, like I was going like, I was like, wow, like, man, like first, first tackle. Like, I'm just so pumped. Like, oh, the adrenaline is running through me. And I just remember I was so like hyped. I remember Andrew Harris is like, you know, he looked, looked at me. He's like, yeah, like you pushed me. And thank God it wasn't on TV. But like he actually pushed me so hard that I ended up like falling on the field. <laughs> so, but like no one saw that. So thank God. But uh, regardless of that, it, just the whole, the whole thing was an amazing feeling. And the game itself, we, like I said, we weren't done. We knew what we still had to do. And, you know, that's why we won that game. And, you know, even the score, what, 33 to 12 or something like we were ready. We and even during halftime, halftime, I don't think there was one guy in the locker room who sat down. Guys are walking back and forth saying zero, 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 meaning the score is still zero, zero. I don't care if we're up by 20. No, this is a new half. Right. Like that's when I knew. OK, like we're locked in. We're locked in. Right. And that's the thing is. People get too complacent and too comfortable, right? You can't. And as a team, like, you learn that real quick. And there was times during the season where we got comfortable. We've literally, and I've seen it in football and playing in my sport, I'll be up by, like, 40 points. You, you think you're comfortable, boom. You hear these greatest comebacks, right? <laughs> Those greatest comebacks happen because people get comfortable. And we weren't comfortable. And that's why we, we carry that momentum even in the second half. And let me tell you, <laughs> and I'll, I don't care. I'm going to say in the podcast, I partied that night like it's like another day. <laughs> I, because, you know, and I'm saying that because, you know, you probably hear me and say, oh, man, this guy's really strict and all this and that. But I'm I'm a person like I finally was able to express 
my hard work, my adversity. Finally, you know, when I had that champagne from the Grey Cup, you don't know how good that tastes. When I had that fat cigar, you don't know how great that tastes. That didn't taste good because of it tasting good. That tasted good because finally, everything was worth it. And, I, and that's when you cross that finish line, let me tell you, it's the best feeling because you know how much you put in through, into it and what you went and what you sacrificed, right? And, and I'll tell you this now, and when you f hit that finish line and you're just like, man, like this feeling is so amazing and in such a rush and you never want to let it go, then that's when you become greedy and you want more. Like, I want another great cup. I want to try to, I want to get back to that feeling again because there's no better feeling because I know that what I went through, what our team went through that whole year, the adversity, you know, personally, you know, emotionally, physically, it's not just me. I told you a little bit of my story, but there's like 50 other guys going through the same thing, right? Like we went through some tough times during the season. There was a point where we lost like four games, five games in a row. Oh, they're bad. Like, and then you just get that last laugh and you're just like, man, and just to see like everyone, you know, just having a great time and enjoying themselves finally. And to do it early in my career, you know, only in my second season, I'm very humbled and blessed because there's guys who never win a great cup, right? And you never know when you're going to win one, right? So I'm cherishing this. Obviously, I plan to get back there and, and win again, but uh, it's definitely something I'm going to remember and not only that but we, you know we broke a 29 year drought in Winnipeg so to do that you know they say the first one you always remember and this one I'm always going to remember I hope if you're listening wherever you are that you can just feel the enthusiasm coming from Johnny just his electric personality here I love how excited and fired up you are you're making people listening hopefully want to run through a brick wall to try to win a great cup at this point because you're just so excited I love it yeah <laughs> no, for sure. It's a great cup or not. Like whatever your goal is in life, like just telling you, like <laughs> if your goal is to freaking like get a million dollars, like I'm telling you, it's going to be freaking amazing when you do it. <laughs> right. Like I, I got to that championship, but you know, I, I can't wait to get my ring. Like it's, it's an amazing feeling guys when you get to the finish line of whatever you're trying to accomplish in life. We're going to move to segment three here. Some misconceptions. You shared a lot of cool stories, some setbacks, and some obviously some triumphs with the Grey Cup this past year. So what are some misconceptions people have about being a professional athlete or a professional football player that you've heard? I guess like, oh, we're just athletes. I, I don't know how to even word that. Like, oh, like he's just a football player. Like, it's all he's good at and stuff. Like, no, we have a lot of diversity. Like I told you, I do personal training outside of football. I'm going to, you know getting into real estate like I you know I'm very diversified like I you know we're privileged in the sense of you know because we're in a high level that we can use that as our platform right like you I think pro athletes you know because there used to be this stigma like oh like they don't know what they're doing they're not smart financially and yada yada because maybe one bad egg ruined it for all of us right because there are stories of guys going bankrupt and buying this and that like but that doesn't mean that everyone's like that no and i believe that us as athletes in the whole community i don't care what sport you play 
that we are very intelligent and we are very smart these days. I mean, you look at guys like LeBron James and, you know, all these great athletes, like, opening up schools. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're doing amazing things, you know, donating money, donating this. Like, it's amazing. So I think that's a horrible misconception that they have on athletes. I don't know how much they still have that conception on us, but we are very smart. And I tell you, like, go and read, you know, my playbook. Good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I look at our quarterback. They have to know, like, they're literally like the field generals, right? Like, they have to know what everyone's doing. We're very smart. We have a lot to give in the sense of, you know, life lessons that, you know, and that's why I keep saying, like, oh, like, winning the Grey Cup. That's my finish. That was my finish line, I guess, for football. But your finish line might be different, right? Everything relates back. Like we can, we can relate back to a lot in life. The skills that I've learned on the field have only just helped me succeed off the field. What would you say, Johnny, is something you didn't know about before you got to the pros? I know you were, you, you talk about the regiment and university and those things, and that's obviously what you carried forth in the pros, but was there something that caught you off guard when you got there? Something that caught me off guard I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it didn't really catch me off guard because I I was prepared. And I'm generally answering that question. And I'm not going to give you a lie like, oh, I make something up because it's the truth. Because when I went to university, I mentioned how it's a hard adjustment for people to go into university because, you know, you can really get lost in the crossfire over there in university. But no. I already instilled the good habits to organizing into university. So that's why I was able to carry that on. And I just carried that on to the pros. I know what to expect. I knew it was going to be guys, you know, who are obviously older than me, who are, you know, veterans. To be at a high level, you need to, you know, do certain things a certain way, good habits. But I already had that. It wasn't like it was, you know, second nature to me. I, I, I've told you, I've always wanted to be great. I've always wanted to be great. That's that's my thing in life. Like, whatever I'm in, I want to be great. So I knew, okay, now I'm playing pro. Okay, I'm going to be great. So, yeah, like, nothing caught me off guard. Like, the extra hours, the after hours, working hard, like, you know, taking time in the playbook, like, understanding. That didn't, no, none of that surprised me because I was ready for it mentally and physically. So a theme that you're probably catching if you're listening is just preparation. So Johnny really stresses that preparation, preparation. Unfortunately, I, you did not prep for this next segment, which is rapid fire. Good segue there. So we're going to hit you with some questions, see how it goes. We're going with question number one. Name your top three sports teams and athletes of all time. Top three sports team, New England Patriots, Golden State Warriors, and I would say... Oh, third team. I don't know if I have a third team. Okay, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because I am a big Tom Brady fan. And when you say three favorite athletes, uh, Tom Brady, just because, like I said, I like to read people's stories. Tom Brady came through a lot of adversity, as many sixth of you round. might know. Exactly. Sixth round pick, guy who wasn't even supposed to be there, and he's the greatest quarterback. So him, Jerry Rice. I love Jerry Rice because of his um, hard work. Man, like that guy literally, like obviously he's the greatest receiver of all time, but like this guy was literally catching bricks to be great, right? And then the last person I would say is Walter Payton. You know, obviously he's not with us, but he, watching his videos 
all I saw was a man who didn't want to go down. A man who was just so dedicated to making sure that he got any inch. And, you know, you carry that to life. Like, if you say, I'm not going to go down without a fight, that's going to carry on. So those are my three favorite, Tom Brady, Jerry Rice, and Walter Payton. He also has a award named after him, so that's pretty cool as well in the NFL. So I think I know the answer for this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. What is your favorite sports memory in history? (laughs) Well, I mean, before that, I guess it was winning the uh, Yates Cup at the University of Guelph. I'm not going to say demolished, but currently winning the Grey Cup is uh, my favorite thing in sports history in my personal career. What about in terms of not your personal career, just you witnessing a sports moment? What's a big sports moment that really sticks out to you that you've watched? Uh, I'm trying to go back, but you know what? I'm just going to bring it probably maybe, what, three? Uh, it's been four years ago when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, came back from 23 against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, once again, a testament to Tom Brady and how of an amazing athlete he is, but you know, I mentioned early in this uh, in in this uh, podcast how you can't get comfortable, right? <laughs> and look what happened: team got comfortable, but also the other team, the New England Patriots, kept working hard. They didn't give up, no matter what. Didn't care for the score. So it was crazy to see that. And obviously, being a top, big Tom Brady fan, I remember I was just jumping up and down. I was like, "Oh my You're god!" You're losing it. <laughs> yeah, I you know, freak. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I gave up. You know, for his half, I couldn't even look at the screen. And that's, yeah, like to witness that, like, because you don't hear those kind of things, right? To come down from 20 points, like that's not a thing. Like, you know, like you're just thinking it's out of reach. So to witness that, like, you know, you don't know when that's going to happen. So that was pretty cool to to see in my generation. That's awesome. And we're going to move to question number three now, non-sports question for you. You have one last meal to eat on earth. What are you drinking, eating for your appetizer, entree, and dessert? Oh, man. All right. Appetizer, I probably have to say, like, quesadillas. I love quesadillas. Meal, definitely pizza. I love pizza for my cheat meals. Um, Dessert, some sort of baked good, whether that's homemade fresh cookies, uh, cake. Like, I love baked goods with a glass of milk. Like it's a, like that's game changer for me. And for drinks, for drinks. So I am a sweet guy when I do have my drinks. I love my pina colada, my Miami Valley strawberry daiquiri. So a nice pina colada to to end it off. (laughs) There you go. Last meal. Now you're going to be given the chance to put on a concert in your backyard. You're allowed to book any band or artist in the world. You got to pick three and the order in which they play. Oh my gosh, three artists in the world to put, okay. And dead uh, or alive, dead or alive, so anybody. Oh man, okay, just because of dance, dance purposes, I don't care, like Michael Jackson, for sure, I, I just love Michael Jackson's music, so he would be number one, I would have to say, <laughs> oh man, either the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. Okay, okay, I, second? I went yeah, I, w- I went through a really early 2000 pop phase. I'm going to admit it. Whatever. Third person. Can't believe I'm saying it. Probably Drake. Okay, he's got, he's got good tunes. I'm going to go with it. 
Right? Yeah, you're you're so, an Ontario boy too, so you got to rep the Drake a little bit there. Yeah, a little bit. Nah, I'm not that Torontoish, but a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit ways away, but we'll still give it to you. Yeah. So question five here, what's the best advice you've ever received from a coach or from a fellow player or mentor? You know what? It would probably have to be from uh, my agent. Um, he said it's not, I've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, advice and stuff, but this one definitely stuck out. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. All right. People tend to rush things and that's when they, you know, they fall back or fall down, right? You gotta, you gotta enjoy the process, right? Like you hear my story. Like I've, I've explained my story. It's, it's quite the process to get where I am. Right. So a lot of the people who are very successful in life, you know, like it takes time, right? It doesn't happen overnight and people want to rush that. They want quick fixes. You know, it's like when I get a new client, like, oh, what's what's the best supplement I can take? Like, no, like, let's let's figure out, like, okay, what's your diet like? First off, like, you know, we got to get you in the weight room. We got to do this. Like, people, you know, I think always want the quick fix right away, where they're trying to see, you know, the long-term process, right? Like, you got to see that, right? Have a short-term goal, long-term goal. So, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Sounds good. Last question here. If you could be any position on any team in any sport, what would it be? So this could be the sport that you play or just in general. If you were make-believe, you had all the skill in the world, you could be any sport, what would it be? If I could choose any sport in the world, I would definitely be a baseball player. And I would be, um, who's the, I think it's the fourth, the fourth batter in is like the, the best batter. So Yeah, and, the cleanup um, hitter, yeah, yeah. The cleanup hitter. I I I did play a little bit of baseball, and I secretly love baseball. And like, if like if I let's say I didn't have football, I'd actually pursue something in baseball. And what team would you be playing for here? Oh come on now, you know it's got to be the Yankees. Come on. Oh man, all right, the Yankees. There it is. Yeah. All right, thanks, Johnny. If our audience wants to hear more about you or find out more about your personal training endeavors, where can they find you? Yeah, so everyone can just hit me up on my Instagram at jaugustine27 or my online fitness Instagram account, Johnny Augustine Fitness, and then also my website as well, johnnyaugustinefitness.com. I'm going to leave all those contacts in the show description, so wherever you find your podcast, you can find all that social media information for Johnny, and I'm sure he would love for you to reach out to him if you want to hear more about his story or just share a bit about your journey into the sport world as well. So, Johnny, appreciate your time, taking time out of your busy schedule, training and eating and all those things that you need to do to be a pro football player, to be on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Keep an eye out for the next episode where I interview Rumi Tejpar, CEO and founder of the ultimate clothing company, Be Ultimate. Here, Rumi share about his personal and company's values of being better than ever and learn about what it takes to start your own apparel company. You can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports and see some of my commentating highlights on YouTube at the channel Juan and Only Sports. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace.